Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Welcome into another edition of Take It to the Bank. We've got a recap episode for you and it's not too great because the, the Ravens they lost to the Los Angeles Chargers 23-17 the wild card round and it was a game that really the Ravens had no business of being close in they got completely dominated on all three phases of the, of, the, of the ball they looked awful on offense specifically Lamar Jackson had his worst game as a starter by my estimation this offense looked like a shell of themselves and the Chargers just flat out look like a better team but we're going to discuss this game much more before but before we go any further I want to welcome on my co-host Vasily Larikos what's going on man it was a disappointing end to a successful season I wonder if maybe the Ravens started out on defense or a few other things broke differently and they were able to gain momentum early if the results would have been different but the Ravens were outcoached in the wild card round the Chargers made effective adjustments, and in the end, a negative two turnover differential was too much to overcome. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, and I want to start out with the offense, then we'll kind of work our way towards the defense later in the show, but the thing is is this. The Chargers, and, and Adam Schefter tweeted it out, I'm working on my film piece now, I'm charting it. The Chargers ran quarters personnel, 58 of their of the 59 snaps uh, on the on defense, meaning, and they only, and the other snap they did, they ran base, and the Ravens only gained three yards on that play. How many teams in the NFL right now you think could do that game plan and have it be successful? Honestly, I think the only teams in the NFL that can run quarters for me, the quarters personnel, and do that are the Ravens and the Chargers because of their depth at, at quarterback and safety. I don't think so. Like the thing is, is everyone's coming out saying, "Oh, well, the Ravens got exposed. This is every team's going to start to do this to them." I think that, that that would be a positive, to be honest with you, because not many teams are that deep in, in, in the defensive backfield, so not many teams are going to be able to do this where they can put out seven defensive backs and have them just essentially play linebacker. Not many teams are going to be able to do that. And the other thing is this, is now that the Ravens kind of saw what the Chargers did, who says they can't adjust to it? Who says that they can't go more heavy personnel? But the thing is, I think this game was doomed from the beginning, regardless of that little note, because the offensive line was awful. They had no chance, no matter what the Ravens did, whether they were in heavy personnel, which was 13, which was three tight ends, whether they were in 11 personnel with three wide receivers, it didn't matter because the offensive line was getting manhandled every single play. I agree all around. The offensive line deserves most of the blame for the loss. They were whipped up front, run blocking and pass pro. LA racked up seven sacks, nine tackles for a loss. The left guards, James Hurst and Bradley Bozeman in particular, were awful, allowing four sacks combined. After playing well all season, really, Orlando Brown looked like a rookie on Sunday. Easily his worst game. Two sacks allowed, including the strip sack that sealed the game. And then Melvin Ingram, he dominated everyone that tried to block him. Skura missed several blocks. Ronnie Stanley was called for a momentum-changing holding call. 
to wipe out a long gain. We said it in the preseason. This team would go as far as the offensive line took them. And unfortunately, they ran out of steam in the wild card round. And that's the thing is like everyone's talking about the Athletic dropped an article where, where they said that the Chargers really keyed in on Ronnie Stanley's feet and they knew what the what the play was coming. What play was coming. But I and, and I get that. And I think that that's getting a little bit overplayed. I, I understand that that is a big factor. But most left tackles, that's kind of the thing or right tackles as well. That's kind of a, a key thing that, that defenses look at. But the upper echelon tackles switch it up so you can't do that and it looks like Stanley didn't really do that because the Chargers knew what was coming but the other thing is and no one's really talking about it is the Ravens they tried to run the power concepts like they've been running the last seven weeks and the key to beating it is is like Bill Belichick will always say is do your job it's that simple just do your job and and what they were doing is once they saw the left guard whether it was Hurst or Bozeman once they saw him pull Whoever it was, they're usually the three-tech, would just swarm that gap, and Skura couldn't get there in time, and the play was ruined. They knew what was coming, and they beat them to it, and they beat them to their spots because there was a lack of creativity and innovation on the offensive side of the ball, and it didn't work because the Chargers knew what was coming. But the, the other thing that I want to mention is this. I get that Lamar Jackson is a rookie. I get that he's developing. I get all that. But some of the throws that he made were just downright frustrating for first off and second of all he held onto the ball far too long when you go look at the all 22 there were a couple plays that, that that the Ravens should have capitalized on because the wide receivers were open so I can't fully blame the offensive coordinator like everybody wants to do because there were plays out there to be to be made there were wide receivers open there were times where Lamar Jackson just for one reason or the other just didn't get rid of the ball held onto it too long and then, and then the defense collapsed Lamar needs to get with the quarterback guru this offseason just work on those mechanics and that footwork and just drill it into his muscle memory 10,000 repetitions or whatever it needs to be to master it because he was yeah he was extremely extremely inaccurate it was a rough postseason debut no way around it obviously the Chargers game plan with all those extra defensive backs the quarters personnel countered his speed and it worked pretty well the vast majority of his rushing yards came on scrambles they completely bottled up the designed runs and Lamar seemed rattled early on fumbled on both the first two drives the first three quarters, three first downs, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, you can't have that. And he made the wrong decision on several option plays as well. Fortunately, he finally found his rhythm and salvaged his confidence with those two fourth-quarter touchdown drives, but it was too little too late. It's not insurmountable. The Ravens need to upgrade the offensive line, devise some better tactics to counter what teams are doing to stop them, and Lamar needs to clean up his uh, – his mechanics. Well, and, and that's the thing is like everyone's like, oh, well, the Chargers had this crazy game plan. It was, it was, it was innovative. It was exotic. The Chargers' game plan was very, very simple, and it should have been figured out early on, in my estimation. They ran only two different coverages when the Ravens went to pass the ball. They ran cover three, which was the majority of the time, and and sometimes they ran cover three Mabel, which we talked about a couple weeks ago when the Ravens played the Chargers. So they ran cover three, cover three Mabel, and sometimes they ran quarters. That was in the fourth. That but that wasn't until the fourth quarter. So the Chargers really didn't disguise much of their coverages. They were running cover three the entire game. And when I say the entire game, I mean the entire game. I charted it all. And the other thing is this, is all they were doing is with their seven defensive backs, they were just having three of them be linebackers. So, and that that's a little bit harder in terms of 
when the Ravens want to pass it because you're looking at instead of having linebackers responsible for the hook and curls and the flats, you're having defensive backs who, who are faster, obviously. So the windows windows are a little bit tighter. You gotta gotta make decisions a little bit quicker because these guys are obviously faster than linebackers, so they can get to the get to the throw a lot or get to the receivers a lot quicker. So you have to the windows are a little bit smaller and you gotta capitalize better. So that was the positives of that defense, but it wasn't. It wasn't like this crazy defense that the Ravens shouldn't have been able to figure out. It should have been fairly simple. I just questioned some of the route, the routes that Mar or the play designs that Marty called because the, there wasn't a lot of cover three beaters. Uh, you talk about plays that just are designed to kill cover three, and the Ravens really didn't call that many of them. I thought once the, once the running game was really just completely stopped, I thought I thought the Ravens really. I hate to say this, but they should have abandoned the run game far earlier than they did. I think it's. I think once they realized early in the third quarter, hey, maybe we're not going to have success running the ball because our offensive line's awful. I think I would have just put Lamar Jackson in shotgun and said, hey, let, let, let's do this thing. Let, let, let's just try to pass it and, and kill them in the cover three until they have to change it. And the Ravens just didn't really do that. And then you talk about the fourth quarter. Chargers were playing a little bit of off coverage, kind of co cover three, just kind of letting everything go in front of them and just make tackles. They went to quarters a little bit. They just didn't want anything deep and the Ravens scored two touchdowns. Whether you call it garbage time or not is up to you. But on the last on the last drive of the game, it it, it was the the most fitting ending to the game is where Orlando Brown Jr. didn't even. It, it looks like he didn't even move. Like it like he didn't even get into his set until the ball was already out. Until until the, until Jackson was already strip sacked. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do when your offensive line can't block. They weren't opening up any creases for Gus Edwards. Gus ran hard, but he's not a guy that's going to break tons of tackles at the line of scrimmage. Maybe downfield he can. Just looking forward a little bit to skill position, guys. Kenny Dixon had that costly early fumble. He did so show some nice ability in the passing game late, which is a plus. Willie Sneed's definitely a keeper. Great chemistry with Lamar. He does create separation. He does have that ability to get open against zone coverage. Mark Andrews, admirable competitiveness down the stretch. Crabtree now, he caught both touchdowns. Not sure if he did enough to be part of the future, to be honest. And the same goes for Marty. He was too conservative, as you mentioned, particularly late in the second half. He had no answer for the Chargers' adjustments. You know, they, they identified the tendencies not only with Stanley's footwork, but also with some of the alignments, which allowed them to key off on some of the plays, apparently. I do believe that the team can find another coordinator that will put Lamar in better position to succeed next season. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't know if moving on from Marty is the answer because I don't think it's fair to him or to anybody to, to look at just one game and say this was the problem because you have to get – I think you have to look at the entire body of work of what Marty did over the course of this year where he had Flacco. Flacco was playing really, really well to start the year. Let's not forget, we were talking about maybe this being one of Flacco's career years and then everything kind of went south because Marty went all air Marty and they, and they became way too predictable in the passing game. And then it, and then they go in that three-game losing streak. Flacco gets hurt, and then they come back and and and, and they install an offense that they had in training camp, but they didn't really have much work with. And then they they somehow bring it and they've evolved it, and they did really well with it. So, and it led them to go six and one down the down the final stretch of the season. And then in the wild card game, they got exposed. But I'd argue that they just ran into a better team. I'd argue that they just ran into a team that was much more talented and they got outplayed. But I, I don't know if firing Marty's the answer. I, I wouldn't, I'm on the fence about it because I can see why you would want to fire him. But I think he also deserves a lot of credit for what they did. And you also have to think about this if you have multiple coaches coming in and out, 
with with Lamar Jackson. That that could hurt his development because everybody's got a different philosophy. Everybody's got a different way of teaching their mechanics. Everybody's got a different way of teaching everything. So you're you're in, in giving Lamar Jackson, who is a raw quarterback. We've talked about how he's got a lot to work on. Is that really going to be good for his development in the future? Because they've committed to him. By, by trading up in the first round to get him, you, you've told me you committed to him for the next two to three years. So don't you want to give him the best chance to succeed? Now, if you think Marty doesn't give him the best chance to succeed, by all means, find somebody else. But I don't know if that's I, – I don't know if, if Marty isn't that guy right now. The question with Marty, does he have that creativity, that inventiveness to be able to come up with new designs that are going to, to counter what the other teams are doing and be able to – just it's a game of adjustments in a lot of ways some of the rumors are that most of the the rushing diversity came from greg roman and hypothetically you would continue with quarterback coach james urban um so you you would have that continuity with lamar i i certainly think it's worth exploring i'm not 100 sold on on axing marty but it's definitely definitely worth considering and i get that and and, and you look at it and this is like an interesting kind of homework assignment for all of our listeners is if you go watch san francisco's offense when greg roman was the offensive coordinator they actually are running a lot of his concepts or, or what appears to be his concepts where it's very similar play designs they're sticking to the power game i mean a, a lot of plays that it seems like they're just pooling from there so it could be roman's kind of offense and i think that's that's interesting to say but why wouldn't you keep the staff as the status quo right now, if they're being successful. And I think that the thing you have to answer with Lamar Jackson is this, and then we'll go on to the defense. I'll let you open up on that. But is, is this ja- Lamar Jackson, you have to fix his mechanics and accuracy issues. I don't think that that's any question. I think everybody knows that his accuracy issues are, are because of his mechanics and he's got to work on that. The other thing that I would, I would really urge people to look at is he has to figure out how to kind of make decisions before the snap. He's got to he's got to be better at reading defenses, reading defenses, identifying coverages, and figure out what what am I what am I looking at? Who am I reading? Who am I going to win? And I think the the last thing he's really got to improve on is ball security, obviously, because those fumbles, some of the interceptions, that cannot happen, and it, that, that it just can't happen. That, that that's just unacceptable, and, and I think he's got to fix that for sure. Now, so what's up with the defense? The defense played perhaps their best game of the entire season. They single handedly kept the Ravens in the game stellar, stellar red zone and third down defense. They were seemingly on the field all game and many times on short fields, yet they allowed only 3.7 yards per play to the talented Chargers offense. My game ball goes to Matt Judon. He was dominant, setting the edge, making tackles for a loss and harassing Rivers. Peanut Owasso also had a big game with a sack, tackle for loss and forced fumble. Brent Urban had his best outing of the entire season as well. Really, the entire unit played well at all three levels. They did, they did deserve to win this game. Yeah, no, the de- the defense played their tail off. And I, if I would have told you when we did our preview episode, I would have said, hey, the Ravens are only going to allow 23 points. What do you think? You probably would have told me, or at least I would have told me at that time, the Ravens are going to win this game. If they can hold the Chargers to 23 points, that's the, that's the money number to me. That's a number that I think deserves to win a football game. They played winning football for a majority of this game, and I think that they kept them in it with their turnovers and things like that. But I think the issue was is just they were on the field way too much because the offense was, like you said, they were a punt, a punt and turnover machine for much of the first three quarters. The only difference between this game and the Week 16, I think, was preparation. Wink was sending intense pressure, but Rivers was much more ready this time, using dump-offs and back-shoulder throws to survive the onslaught. Suggs and company were applying heat, but they couldn't quite get home as much as they did in the previous outing. 
They managed just one sack on eight quarterback hits. And then Rivers, he used his veteran savvy to various cadence at the line, which helped keep the pass rush at bay a little bit. And this, as well, this game also highlighted a personnel weakness. This defense does struggle to provide pressure, rushing only four. They have to send blitzes because the down linemen are not penetrators. But at the end of the day, you really have to say the defense played a heck of a game. Yeah, I thought that, that Don Martindale had an interesting game plan because – Again, you're not going to show something that Philip Rivers hasn't seen. You're not going to be able to disguise him that much, especially considering you saw him three weeks ago and he kind of got and you completely dominated him three weeks ago. So you knew that he was going to study the game tape. You knew he was going to figure this out. And I thought he, I thought he did a decent job at kind of figuring it out. I thought that he was much, much quicker at getting rid of the ball, which kind of stymied some of their pass rush. I think. I, I mean, give credit to C.J. Mosley. He made a couple plays. Obviously, he had that fumble recovery. And I, I think that the as a whole, the defense played really, really well. I thought the, Tav- the loss of Tavon Young might have been a little bit underrated. But again, when you're that deep at cornerback, when you're that deep with defensive backs, it doesn't really matter. And I think the Ravens kind of avoided that loss pretty well. Mosley was excellent in run defense. I thought the corners played very well. Jimmy Smith did give up a few plays, but no cornerback's going to you know completely shut out talented receivers like like the ones that the Chargers are running out there when you're in press man coverage or off man coverage all the time. Bowser did have some issues containing the edge. The Ravens did incur some in-game injuries, Michael Pierce in particular, that did affect their uh, their defensive ability. And Zadarius Smith, he was run over on that only touchdown on that fourth down play, and there was a total breakdown of communication on the two-point conversion. But overall, overall, lights out. They kept getting stops, yet the offense could not capitalize. At special teams as well was a mixed bag. Zedarius blocked the field goal, and Buck Allen blocked the punt. But coverage, kick coverage, was spotty, and Tucker pushed that field goal wide right when Harbaugh probably should have went for it on fourth and two regardless. Yeah, I, I don't. that's usually a Harbaugh decision, that, I, which is so weird because once, once that happened, I was like, all right, he's going to go for it, but I guess they trust Justin Tucker. And, I mean, if you really want to think about it, I mean, if he makes that kick – Assuming that everything else kind of stays the same, the Ravens are driving with with 50 seconds left trying to get a field goal, which kind of really changes everything But to tie the game, which really changed it. But the, the thing is this, with the defense, I will give them a ton of props in the, facts that, in the fact that when it was 23-10, to 10, the Ravens just scored a touchdown, the Ravens' defense forced a three and out. They gave their, their offense another chance. The Ravens went down, they scored another touchdown. Then you're looking at 23-17. They needed a turnover. When they absolutely or they absolutely needed a three and out, they got it. I mean, obviously there was a there was a holding penalty on Tony. It was a holding penalty that kind of helped them aid it back to a third and long. But either way, they got the three and out they needed. They got their offense the ball back, and uh, we talked about what happened on that final drive. But give them credit for battling through it. But I thought that they made a couple mistakes early that could have halted them. But again. It's it's really hard to play a sound game when your when your offense is just garbage. No question, no question. Bottom line, final takeaway: 2018 was a successful campaign in which the Ravens won the division for the first time since 2012, while simultaneously developing many young players. Love it or hate it, the Joe Flacco era is over, while John Harbaugh has likely earned a long-term extension. Looking to the offseason, Eric DaCosta should focus on upgrading the interior of the offensive line, find more players on offense, playmakers, keep as much of the outside linebacker and cornerback corps together because that's been the strength of this team that's buoyed them all season, and finally 
add more speed at both inside linebacker and safety. Yeah, so next episode, we're going to do a divisional round preview coupled with the Ravens offseason review. We're going to talk everything offseason, and I'm going to give you guys another homework assignment. Here's four questions. We're going to answer these four questions next time, but here it is before we get into the other round the NFL. Will slash should the Ravens sign, re-sign C.J. Mosley? How will the Joe Flacco era end in Baltimore? Will he be traded or released? Will a team offer enough to entice the Ravens to trade John Harbaugh? Or will he be the coach in 2019? And finally, who will be the, off- who will be the offensive coordinator? So we're going to answer those questions next time. Think on them. Reply to us. Tweet us. Do whatever you want to do. We're going to answer those next. But now let's go to the round of the NFL. What an interesting wild card weekend. Think about it. Three of the road teams won. The, o- the only home team that won was the, was the Dallas Cowboys. And kind of a shocker, we'll start with the, the Colts-Texans game. Colts go into, go into Houston, and they just completely dominate the Texans. I mean, they won 21-7, but I think, I think that score is a little bit mis- misrevealing as the Texans really had no shot at this thing. It was a fairly straightforward game. Andrew Lux staked any to that early lead. T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron outproduced DeAndre Hopkins. Braden Smith contained J.J. Watt. And Indy defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus exposed Deshaun Watson's inaccuracy. Yeah, I mean, the, the Texans, it was, kind of, it was kind of like watching the Ravens game 2.0 and it, before it even happened, is that the Texans just had no answer. Deshaun Watson was inaccurate. Their offensive line was completely dominated, like you said, and I, they just had no shot. I mean, even with DeAndre Hopkins, it just did nothing, nothing worked. Nothing they did worked, and it was really up to Deshaun Watson, and he just couldn't make enough plays. They had a, they had a lot of critical drives end in the red zone with no points, which was certainly one of the biggest factors in this game. And then going to the night game on Saturday, we got the, the, the Cowboys narrowly defeated the Seahawks 24-22. This was a really, really close game. This was, I mean, I thought that Dallas's defense showed up big when it mattered most. I mean, you look at Antoine Woods making a couple big plays. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, that defense is playing kind of well right now. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson didn't have his best game by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, the top Cowboys just really dictated tempo with Zeke Elliott. He was a true factor back, and Lamar Cooper stepped up as well. Dallas' defense shut down the Hawks from the ground. And those first two games, both the Saturday games as well as the Ravens game I'll, I'll mention, at the end, when you really look at the rosters, the three more talented teams did win. The Eagles and the Bears. This was a barn burner. This was a, a heartbreaking loss that I'm sure Ravens fans can probably relate to. Cody Parkey missed the... Of what I would call a gimme field goal at the end, and it, it hit both uprights. I don't even know what to say about this game because I feel like the Bears should have won this game. I mean, before even that field goal, the Bears, I thought, were playing the better game. They were up 15-10. to 10. I thought they deserved to win the game, to be honest. I, I agree with you. I believe in this one, the more talented he lost, that double-dinger field goal miss, upright and crossbar hit. I don't know. It was just kind of one of those games where maybe the Bears are like a young team and they couldn't quite close it out at the end. I thought they had it. I thought they earned it. But at the end of the day, you have to tip your cap to Foles. He led what turned out to be the game-winning drive. We'll see if Big Nick can uh, can keep it rolling in New Orleans next weekend. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to question Matt Nagy and his play calling because they just completely stopped trying to go down the field in that second half. They just went really, really conservative. And that and that and is that because he's a rookie head coach kind of just trying to hold on to a victory? Or 
did he just not have faith in Trubisky? What, what, what was going on there? But the, I thought the play calling for Chicago was certainly questionable down the stretch. And the Eagles, obviously, you know, with Doug Peterson and Nick Foles, they have experience of coming back from coming from behind and especially in playoff games. So I, I thought the experience factor really, really leaned, obviously, towards the Eagles, and it really – Play, ended up being a good thing for them, and they ended up coming out victorious. Uh, you're looking at the wild, uh, the divisional round games. Should be an interesting group of games. We'll again, we'll preview all of that next we, uh, next episode in a couple of days. But you got the Colts traveling to Kansas City, which I might say right now, upset alert. You got the Cowboys traveling to LA to face the Rams. You got the Chargers going to New England to face the Patriots. Eagles going to New Orleans to face the Saints. So should be a good weekend. We should get some more clarity there. I, I think I'm going to go 4-0 this weekend, but that's just me. Make sure you stay tuned for next episode where we're going to review the Ravens offseason, who they should sign, who they shouldn't sign, what's going to happen with the coaching changes, if there is any, and we will preview the divisional round. We're out. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.